0: From the U.S. Army, a national touring band and rock radio programmer, it's Nick Summers. And this is The Right Side of Rock. Here's Nick Summers.
1: You know, I got to be honest with you. There are times where I have no idea what I'm going to do for an upcoming podcast. And then something hits me. It could be just cruising through some of the music articles that I like to look at. Sometimes it's a question. We've got something on the show that I host. With Liz Callaway, the Liz Callaway show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. It's called The Text Line. Listeners will sometimes ask us questions. Sometimes they get personal. Sometimes it's a little bit about history. Where's Liz from? Where am I from? What do I what was I doing before I got into radio? This week's podcast is a direct result of a question someone asked me. Most of you know by now I was in a band a professional touring band. We toured all over the nation. We got kind of close, you know, to making it, I guess you could say. Whether it be the change in music, personnel matters, whatever. It was time to, to grow up and do something real. I guess radio, is that real enough? The question was asked, what was the name of your band? And I and I told him. I said, well, the name of my band was Dizzy Lane. The next question on our text line was, how did you come up with that name? Somebody in the band named Dizzy? No, not at all. So that got me thinking, what a great idea for a podcast. Where do bands come up with these? some of these ridiculous names? Dizzy Lane, that's kind of ridiculous. Where do we come up with it? I'll tell you. My singer and I, no idea what we were going to call the band. We are already starting to work on some of the music. He had some materials and, and, and I had some stuff written and we were going to get together and formulate our plan, if you will. He was a boxing fan, me not so much. I had my guitar in my hand, and I was just going through some stuff. He said, hey, I'm going I'm to throw this this boxing match on. And I remember it was Mike Tyson. But they have all those, like, opening bouts, they call them, I guess. Well, it got to be late at night, and we had some adult beverages involved, if you know what I mean. I looked up. The announcer had said, Mike Tyson just knocked his opponent onto Dizzy Lane. And I'm thinking, What? No, he didn't have DVR back then. It really wasn't much for an internet. I had no idea really what that meant, but it made sense to me. And I looked at my singer. He looked at me, and I said, there's the name. There's the name of the band. He said, what? There's the name of the band, Dizzy Lane. And there you have it. Sitting on my singer's couch, late night, he's watching a boxing match, and we get the name of the band that, at least for the first eight, nine years of my life, as an adult, changed my life. In case you missed it, Dizzy Lane, my band, here's what we sounded like. If you're interested, the record company loves when I when I do these little plugs, you can go to ddrmusicgroup.com and search in Dizzy Lane. They reissued our first two releases, threw them onto one disc. And hey, while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to be notified to The Right Side of Rock. You'll find out when new episodes are available. Please make sure to rate me, let me know how I'm doing, and share with a friend who you think might enjoy this. Also you can get in touch with me, give me ideas, give me comments, good or bad, I like it all. It's Nick talk945.com at gmail. Nick talk945 at gmail.com. Flashback to my band Dizzy Lane from the re-release Cheap Thrills, It Ain't Easy reissue on the DDR Music Group record label.
0: of true reality. You're listening to The Right Side of Rock with Nick Summers.
1: So where did some of your favorite bands come up with those names? Sometimes they're forced into taking a moniker that just stuck or maybe because somebody already claimed their earlier attempt at a fame-clinching title. So their second, third, or fourth choices are taken. Far too many of them were chosen without any real consideration for how long the members might have to live with their decisions. A number of them also evolved out of earlier versions of the same name. Others are sparked by offhanded comments. Think about it. That's how I got my name. Most of them make no sense at all. So let's go through the list. Some of your favorite bands and how they got their names. Let's start at A, shall we? Malcolm and Angus Young have their sister Margaret to thank for their famous band's name. She suggested it. To the duo, after seeing the letters ACDC, meaning the device could be powered by either alternating or direct current on a vacuum cleaner or a sewing machine. It depends on who's telling the story, by the way. ACDC also got labeled as a bisexual band. Can I say that? Because that's also the nickname for going both ways. ACDC. Interesting.
0: There was a friend of mine on murder. And the judges' gavel fell. How
1: about Aerosmith? Here's a case where a guy comes up with a really cool name for a band, but the band he's in said, nah, we're not interested. So he holds on to it. When he finally joins up with Joe Perry and Steven Tyler, Joey Kramer and his girlfriend who came up with the name said, hey, listen, this would be a great name. But he had to convince them, however, that it had nothing to do with the Sinclair Lewis novel Aerosmith, spelled differently from high school. So Aerosmith was born. By the way, Joey Kramer and his girlfriend were listening to Harry Nilsson's Aerial Ballet when they tried to come up with cool names that had Aero in them. Aero as in A-E-R-O. Right. Alice Cooper was actually a band name and had nothing to do with a guy. But ultimately, it became more associated with him than the band. Alice was envisioned as a demented, possibly homicidal, elderly woman and singer Vince... Fernier. I never knew how to pronounce that guy's name right. Anyway, played the part on stage. And as I mentioned, Alice Cooper became him. Or he became Alice Cooper. We got
0: no choice. All the boys.
1: We're not gonna talk about like Bon Jovi. It's just a variation of John Bon Jovi's last name or poison. Some of these names are just ridiculous. Bachman Turner Overdrive, eh, I mean it's just. Randy Bachman and C.F. Turner. Turner, Bachman-Turner-Overdrive. Yeah, nah. We'll focus on some of the names that had interesting beginnings and are bizarre, like Bad Company. He actually saw a poster for a 1972 Western starring Jeff Bridges. The movie's about how the early settlers, the Civil War, lawlessness, and Wild West, he thought, well, that's a great name for a band, Bad Company. How about Badfinger? What's the deal there? What is a Badfinger? Well, this band started out in the 60s as the Ivies. But by the end of the decade, the name started to seem a tad too quaint. The Ivies? Yeah, not so good. They signed up with the brand new Apple label. The Beatles' right-hand man, Neil Aspinall, came up with the name Badfinger. It was likely based on Badfinger Boogie, the original working title for Ringo Starrs, with a little help from my friend. (laughs) Speaking of the Beatles, the name was inspired by the early rocker Buddy Holly, whose backing group was called the Crickets. All four Beatles were huge fans. Their earliest shows featured his music, and Paul McCartney later purchased the publishing rights to the Holly songs. Black Sabbath, how about that one? Most of you probably know they were originally called Earth or the Earth Blues Company. They got rid of that name altogether. They settled on Black Sabbath after attaching the title, which had earlier been used for a 1963 film starring Boris Karloff to a spooky new song inspired by an apparition scene by by bassist Geezer Butler. They thought to themselves, why do people go to horror movies? But it was also a really big thing. In the mid to late 60s, horror movies were just huge. So they thought, well, nothing better than horror and rock and roll. Black Sabbath was born. How about Blue Oyster Cult? I always thought that was a weird name. The pioneering hard rocker started out as Soft White Underbelly. I knew that. But music journalist Sandy Perlman and an early manager and producer decided, well, Blue Oyster Cult, it was mentioned in a series of poems by Perlman in reference to a secret group of beings from outer space that clandestinely influenced our common faith. Wow. That's kind of out there, literally. Some band names like Boston just happen to be the town or in some cases the state where the band is formed. Like Boston, Tom Schultz and Bradley Delt. Initially they were gonna be Schultz Depp, but it was Schultz, Tom Schultz, the lead guitar player and brainchild behind Boston, and producer John Boylan, and even engineer Warren Dewey suggested, nah, I think your name should be Boston. How about Cheap Trick? I thought this was kind of interesting. An inspiration from another band, bassist Tom Peterson was at a Slade concert. He came back and told the rest of the guys in the band, boy, that that band used every cheap trick in the book. And they thought, well, that's a pretty cool name. Going
0: to a party.
1: Cream was actually kind of a nickname. And had a little bit of ego involved in there as well. Eric Clapton, Jack Bruce, and Ginger Baker decided, well, we're the cream of the crop of 60s British blues rockers. Let's just call ourselves Cream. Can't really argue with them. Deep Purple was originally called Roundabout. And this was before the Yes song of the same name. Richie Blackmore, the guitar player, decided to change the name to Deep Purple. And it was named after a song that went back to the big band era. You know, like swing music, like Glenn Miller. Paul Whitman band in the 30s had a song called Deep Purple. Richie Blackmore liked it, and there's the name. Def Leopard is an interesting one, because it depends on who you ask. Singer Joe Elliott claims that he initially coined the name Def Leopard, and it's spelled correctly D-E-A-F and then Leopard instead of D-E-F-L-E-P-P-A-R-D, which is what they go by now, while writing reviews for an imaginary rock band, or bands, when he was in high school. At the time... The band's original lineup, a guy named Tony Kenning, suggested they modified the spelling to make it seem less punk. Now, again, here's where the story is a little interesting and depends who you ask. They apparently were on the road. And they were young kids at the time, even when they were signed. Their drummer, I believe, was only 17. There was a sign that said, Left, Deppard." There's a town called Deppard, England. Somebody blurted out in their vehicle oh look Def Leppard you know how you kind of mix things up like that and they thought it was hilarious and thought that'd be a great name for a band again it all depends on who you believe early Def Leppard by the way was closer to ACDC than what they became which was kind of sugary poppy rock part of the decline of the 80s if you ask me their first three albums are really good How about Derek and the Dominoes? Formed in the spring of 1970, Derek and the Dominoes featured a core lineup of Eric Clapton, Bobby Whitlock, Jim Gordon, and of course, a late edition of Dwayne Aldman to give their lone studio album a fiery sense of interplay and a title that seemed to reference both Eric and Dwayne's names. But actually, the group had earlier been billed as Dell and the Dominoes. Clapton tried to shift the spotlight away from him to make it more seem like a collaborative effort later his label sought to make clapton's presence clear by distributing buttons that said "Derek is eric (laughs) now that's great i think that's awesome Derek is eric something like the doobie brothers you kind of just have a feeling it's going to end up being about drugs and guess what it is before they became a 70s pop sensation the doobies were a bunch of hippies of course they were living in a house in northern california they were in search of a name for their band and a non-musical housemate suggested the doobie brothers on account of the members' penchant for, well, you guessed it, smoking weed. <laughs> See, some names just, you know, there they are. Right. How about Fog Hat? I've often wondered, what is a Fog Hat? Well, on the eve of completing its first album, the band was still struggling to find the right name. Can you imagine? You're a band, you've gotten as far as recording your first album, you still don't have a name. Brandywine, track, and hooch had been considered. <laughs> okay, now here's the letdown. Foghat, which they finally selected as a name, came from guitarist Dave Peverett, who reportedly made up the meaningless word in a childhood game with his brother. In other words, Foghat means nothing. See, I'm disappointed. Going to the city. I don't know if this is strange, but it's funny. Golden Earring, remember that band? They had two big hits, really two only hits. Radar Love and then later Twilight Zone. They were originally called the Tornadoes till they found out that that name had been taken. So they took their name from an instrumental called Golden Earrings by the Hunters, a British group who they used to open for. See, you're on the road, you're opening for a band, you find out the name that you have as a band has already been taken, what do you do? What's the name of that song you guys play in the first set? Yeah, okay, that's our band name. I've heard so many different stories about Guns N' Roses, but according but according to Ultimate Classic Hollywood Rose member Izzy Stradlin spent some time in the mid-80s as roommates with L.A. Guns member Tracy Guns. When L.A. Guns needed a new singer, this led to the 1985 formation of Guns N' Roses, which featured, you guessed it, a- Axl Rose, Stradlin... And Tracy Guns, they put the names together and they got Guns N' Roses. Tracy Guns went on to form LA Guns, as we know, and Slash joined up with Guns N' Roses and the rest is history. By the way, rejected names, sometimes they're funnier than the actual names, like Heads of Amazon and AIDS. You guessed it, AIDS, all in caps. I'm glad they stuck with Guns N' Roses. Here's another drug-related one, Jefferson Airplane, which then eventually became Starship. Jefferson Airplane, my dad told me this a long time ago. You could take a match, back in the day, a match like those not a hard match, though like a little those little matches you get in the matchbooks. You could split it and then you could use it to hold your joint. <laughs> and it was called the Jefferson Airplane. Because when you put the joint in there, it, it looks like an airplane. I don't know why it's Jefferson, but there you go. Journey, by the way, formed in San Francisco in 1973. Their original name was Golden Gate Rhythm Section. They held a radio contest to come up with a new name. It produced disappointing results, and all of the suggestions were disregarded. (laughs) It ended up being a roadie, John Villanueva, who suggested the name Journey. And eventually, the entire band agreed upon it. Can you imagine? Hey, we're going to have this big radio contest. Oh, all of your submissions suck. (laughs) Judas Priest, an earlier member... Bruno Stapenhill pitched the, this moniker to the original frontman Al Adkins. This is before they got signed. Before they had Rob Halford. After hearing this song called The Battle of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest by Bob Dylan. Wow. Judas Priest influenced by Bob Dylan. Uh, here we go with my favorite band. They started out being called Wicked Lester. They fired everybody in the band, Paul and Gene did, and decided they were going to hire two new guys. They even went as far as recording a record the record label said, yeah, I don't know what this is, and they shelved it. So that's when they decided, well, we need to fire these guys and come up with a new name. And 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 Gene Simmons has famously said, I, you know, I wanted to form something that was like, before there was a heavy metal, but like a heavy metal Beatles. So they got Ace Frehley, they got Peter Criss. Peter Criss said that he used to be in a band called Lips. While Stanley got thinking, Gene Simmons wanted to call the band f it's a word i can't say but begins with an f literally he literally wanted to call the band that and paul was like yeah we'll never get any airplay or any press if we call ourselves that he may have been joking who knows but the lips name that peter chris used to be in got paul thinking how about kiss and there you go led zeppelin the Who's Keith Moon and John Entwistle joint Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones on the Jeff Beck single, Beck's Bolero, in the summer of 1966, leading to some studio chatter about the prospect of forming a new group. Moon, or perhaps Entwistle, joked that, oh yeah, sure, it'll go over like a lead balloon. Lead balloon. Lead Zeppelin. There you go. How about Meatloaf? Yes, it has to do with the fact that Marvin Lee day was kind of a big guy. Meatloaf was the nickname given to the heavyset rocker by his high school football coach. <laughs> hey, Meatloaf! <laughs> it just stuck. Motley Crew is another funny one because Nikki Sixx wanted to call the band Christmas. The other members of the band hated it, thankfully. Mick Mars remembered he's the guitar player while playing in a band called White Horse that a bandmate referred to his band as a motley-looking crew. He filed that away in his head thinking, someday... When he brought it up later with Motley Crue and they were trying to find a name, they loved the name Motley Crue and they decided to put the umlauts over the O and the U in Motley Crue. Why? Because they were drinking the German beer and It has the umlauts in it. In other words, they were drunk. This'll look cool on our name. I always wondered where Pink Floyd got their name from. They were hastily named by their guitar player at the time, Sid Barrett, who just found out there was another group already using their old—the name they were currently using, which was the T Set. The T Set, really? So they combined the names of two Piedmont bluesmen from his record collection, Pink Anderson and Floyd Council. Pink Floyd, like Black Sabbath, Pink Floyd were a blues outfit when they first began. Then they morphed into the pot smokers' favorite band in the world, apparently desperate times lead to goofy suggestions and that's reportedly how this band which had already considered the discarded winking candidates like the no one the group and the hair finally decided on a successor title to the detours then the high numbers then they just gave up because at that time they kept changing their name somebody had walked into the room and said the who's playing like as in what band Roger Daltrey thought well that's a great name for a band here we have the who (laughs) This is The Right Side of Rock. My final cut actually has to do with a band that we know where they got their name, Van Halen. David Lee Roth. He released a new single last month, and it's an affectionate look back at his time with the band. Nothing could have stopped us back then anyway. And it features lyrics that relate to Roth's time with the band. Quote, we laughed, we cried, we threw the television off that balcony. That memory means so much to me. One of the lines in the uh, song. It comes from acoustic sessions Roth recorded with the guitarist John Five, who, by the way, amazing guitar player. And by the way, this was done back in 2007, so it's new, but it's not new. Apparently, those sessions had resulted in an album's worth of material, and this is our first glimpse at it. They have about 12 or 13 songs. Will we see the whole thing? I'm not sure. But he did release this song a few months back. Nothing could have stopped us back then anyway. It's the new, not new single from David Lee Roth featuring John 5 on guitar. That's my final cut.
0: for right side of rock. Here's the final cut. we threw the television off that balcony that memory means so much to me no doubt in me i do believe that no one listens to both sides except the neighbors fine art of compromise happy losing half of mine cause she'll lose her half later first taste of being victim of the very songs i sing We'll say goodbye And I hope I hear good things And walk away Walk away Nothing could have stopped us back then In anyway. Remember when your safety pinned The tablecloth to my pants And I stood up to the sound of dancing And the sound of our romance Beginning Out the restaurant to make the night complete Six pack and a happy meal on a park bench down the street Dinner with Tennessee's elite Once upon a time is how a fairy tale sells it Sit down, you won't believe this shit is how the trucker tells it Strike up the band, hire the piper, we will pay nothing could have stopped us back then anyway